joining us now, TSN hockey analyst, fantastic writer of the Toronto Star, obviously longtime career in the NHL. It's Dave Poulin. Good morning, Dave. Thanks for doing the show today. Good morning, gentlemen. Merry Christmas. I hope everybody had a great holiday. And uh, it's back to work now for all of us. And particularly ah. for the hockey players, they're going to be lacing them up tonight. And it's a little bit different now than it was when I played. When I played, you were still allowed to practice on Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. which most of the teams did. And you played on Boxing Day almost all the time. So there was no break, essentially. It was a Yeah, day it was always just two days. It was Christmas Eve and Christmas Day that you would get off. A mad scramble. Yeah. And it was just, you know, you were playing catch-up. Sometimes you played at home on the 23rd. Sometimes you were away and you were traveling that night. And putting the toys together became an absolute nightmare. Like if you had to put together a Playmobil dollhouse with 1,200 pieces and you were starting, like it was just, I mean, it was harder than playing that first game back. Trust me, it was like the pressure was unbelievable. In two of the cities I played in, they were event-driven after Christmas. So um, if I'm correct, in Philadelphia, the skating show came in starting on the 26th. So we were we were heading on the road for 10 days, two weeks. And then I moved to Boston, and the circus was coming in. And so it was always a strange time for, for me as a player because you were heading out for a road trip. You know, Christmas Day, you were packing. You were gone for 10 days or whatever it was. And then you had to get right back into playing mode. So it's a little more relaxing for me now. It's a nice, quiet Christmas. I enjoyed it immensely, and now I'm ready to go back to work. What was uh, what was tougher uh, those days, putting together a child's toy or defending Wayne Gretzky? <laughs> Matthew, I, I challenge you at some point to put together a Playmobil dollhouse. There are separate... No petals on the flowers on the flower box <laughs> on the 15 windows on the house like it's staggering the detail of some of these toys and, and it was great because I, I um, got a call from my son-in-law on that night of the 23rd and he was putting together stuff and he said I should have started way sooner than this you warned me <laughs> I there's no way because of course you can't put it together during the day the kids are awake and and he had a couple of key pieces to put together, and he said, "Wow, I did not start early enough, and you warned me to do this." Yeah. Well, nowadays it's easier <laughs> to do it because the instruction manuals are literally like the easiest they've ever been. Back in the day, there was no like guide to instruction manuals; it was just like pictures, like here, this is the way it's done. Go do it. <laughs> and so, you know, it makes it a little more challenging, but. My son no, got Carlo, a... your kids are getting older and they're using less complicated things. That's it's true. That's true. That's true. Well, Pooley, I was just going to say, my son got a 3,500-piece Lego set. Oh, okay. Really? That's and, for him to put together, not you. Well, it's supposed to be for him to put together, but he's six years old. How is he going to put together 3,500 pieces of Lego? Who gave him that gift? What <laughs> rotten member I gave him it. that gift? There's no yeah, way I you got it. him that gift. It's basically, it's the, it's, it's, it's a, it's like a, like a build-up puzzle of New York City. So you're doing all the like the famous landmarks of New York City in one big like platform. It's actually pretty cool. Like I started doing it and I started to get like really hooked on it. But man, the pieces are so tiny, and I'm like, now how is any six-year-old like, supposed to do this? That sounds like an uncle puzzle who's still giggling. Right. Your brother's still oh giggling for sure, that one. for sure, yes, that's yes. awesome. 
my, my my message every time I open I see him open up a gift like that I look at a person that gives it to them like thanks really yeah, appreciate thanks. that <laughs> as, a profe- <laughs> as a professional uncle I will not be helping anyone put the children's toys together but I will give the difficult toys um, simple question for you Dave is there anyone more fun to watch right now in Toronto sports than Austin Matthews. Well, I think he mirrors the team right now. The team is fully entertaining now. Yes, you were saying better that, and worse. Sitting in, well, if you were sitting that thing in the management box, you'd say otherwise. But we had a chat about it on the panel one day. And, and you know, th- through the first half of the year, they've had such an interesting year because they've got a good record. You know, they're four points out of first place with a game in hand, you know, against Boston. And there's a lot of people that are, they're not settled. I don't think Leafs fans are settled and comfortable and they want to be comfortable. And, you know, you think you're rolling along and things are pretty good. And then you give up nine to Buffalo and there's just that, that fear. It's like they almost reel you back in every time, but they've had in many ways a better half first half of the year than in other years, because more guys have played, more guys have contributed Mm. and the brilliant scoring of Austin Matthews is front and center, but so, you know, is the play of Willie Nylander and Tavares and Marner have done what they have done. Morgan Riley. Morgan Riley's been great, but I think it's the depth that's, that's should be more comforting to the Leaf fans. You know, the fact that getting through that first part of the D with a patchwork, you know, group in, um, on the blue line, but it's worked. And the goaltending is about as unsettled as it could possibly be right now, but it's worked. And so Uh that's, the bottom line is you have to, you want to settle these things. You have time to do it, but you should be enjoying it. And and I don't think people are as much as they should. Pooley, I want you to reminisce back to your uh, management days. If you were having a conversation with the rest of your management, how would you handle this Ilya Samsonov situation? Well, that's got to be a full-time job for the uh, – the goalie coach, I and mean, there's no question about it. And it's it's more mental than it is physical right now. It's, I, normally, you'd say it's as much mental as physical, but it's more mental than it is physical right now. And it, it's a real challenge, and that's the task right now. You've got the the settling of Martin Jones, who you know doesn't need a lot of maintenance or handholding at all right now, and all the focus for the goalie coach has to go. Ilya Samsonov, it just does, and they have to get it scored away. And it's almost, you know, using the three or four days over Christmas to say, Ilya, you've got to totally reset. You've got to clear your head. It's up to him to do it. You've got to support him in every way you can, whether, you know, it's a chat with your sports psychologist or whatever it is. But you've got to come back from Christmas, and, and Santa Claus gave you a new package to work with. And go out and say, you know what, this is great. Santa looked after me. I'm so happy he gave me a new stick or whatever. <laughs> and because this is, it's going to be ongoing. And he bring, he, you know, he brings it to himself in his post-game interviews and talks about it candidly, which is unusual for a goaltender, especially a goaltender. But they've got to get that squared away. I mean, they've got to get the goaltending situation squared away until Joseph Wall gets back healthy. But he's not, and that's what they're, that's what they're dealt with. Dave, let's say you're having the same conversation with your management team. Uh, the Maple Leafs are 23rd in goals against. How comfortable or uncomfortable are you 
in terms of giving up assets and you know considering the team has not had a lot of first round picks they don't have a first rounder in 2025 they've only drafted the first round in twice of the last five drafts how comfortable are you as a management team giving up even more uh, draft capital or young prospects to try and improve this defense we have a couple of months to decide that and i think it's going to be up to the team to indicate to management that they that they're going to take a run here and, and you know and their record says they are and on a given night their place says they are yep. but you know i mean and that that it's it's up to the team it really is the the chart is pretty bare in terms of of draft picks even in the top and there's no second rounders left and, and um, you know, some random third rounders or whatever have been traded away. A first rounder is going to be dealt in the next three years. And so you have to look at it and say, are they ready to do it? And we talked about the goaltending situation. A lot of it could be dependent on that guys. Do you have a goaltender going into the playoffs that you're comfortable with a healthy Joseph? Well, yes, I think that they were getting very comfortable with him, but it probably starts in at that spot for me to say are we confident that we can go through multiple rounds in the playoffs with the team we have right now and what additions would we need to do it and it, you know it's it's always a challenge Matt it is you know and it, but it, you've got two months now to decide two plus months to decide and you would love the team to decide to go on a nice little roll post Christmas here and say okay this is us this is who we are this is what we built in the first half of the year and this is where we're going yeah, you talk about all the draft picks. It really makes last year, like the perspective of last year, more. Um, you know, it's it makes it stand out even more that it wasn't all in season because of all the draft picks that they parted with, and it really does, you know, um, you know, uh, put a you know a stranglehold on on the moves that they can make this year. But you really wonder. Um, you know, what type of moves they can get creative. Maybe it is with, with prospects or, you know, with roster players this time. We'll, I guess we'll, we'll see what well, has to sleeve. Even thinner further down the line, because if you look at the last three years, I think there's only 10 players totally that came in. Now you can supplement, maybe 11, you can supplement, you know, with free agency and you can supplement with college free agents and you can, you know, pick off players that are 25, 26 years old who are coming out of entry level contracts with other players. But in terms of a, a young base, we talked about Easton Cowan, Fraser Minton, um, Dennis Hildby would be in that group. Nyes is already here. And, and so there's, there's four of the names of the 11 that we're talking about. So it's really thin. And those are decisions that were made by a previous management group. You don't control that. So you have what you have moving forward, but you'd ideally not like to move one of the drafted players that you've had. I know people have talked about, you know, they hope that an Easton Callender or Fraser Minton plays well in the world juniors to increase their value. Well, you want them to increase their value for you. You want them here with Matthew Nye's playing, you know, if they're going to be effective players in the National Hockey League, but that could mean waiting a year or two and not using them I wouldn't even have that thought consideration in place. I'd much rather move something further down the line than I would a player that I drafted, um, won a second rounder and, and won a late first rounder who looks like they could be legitimate players in the National Hockey League in the next few years. Dave, always appreciate, and I think you need to know, and Carlo needs to know, as a professional uncle for two of my nephews, we're taking them out to see a Harry Potter play. So we're taking the kids away from the parents 
and no toys that need to be put together. So I don't want to say I'm a hero, but I'm kind of a hero. It's brilliant, Matt, because we sent my granddaughter on the 24th to Disney on Ice and got a video of her the first time Minnie Mouse skated out in the ice, and it was it was magnificent. The best Aww. gift we possibly could have had was her reaction. She had no idea where she was going, and it was just the, the video that the parents shared was my best gift by far. Unreal. Oh, that's fantastic. No better way to end it. Thank you so much, Dave, for joining the show today. Thanks, guys. Have a great uh, have a great kickoff to the new year. We'll chat after that. You got Absolutely. it. Absolutely. That is Dave Poulin, TSN hockey analyst.